Howdy. And just let me say thank goodness for Google. It helps immensely with pronunciations. Our first reading is from Isaiah. There will be no gloom for those who were in anguish. In the former time, the Lord brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We'll read responsively from Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom then shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? One thing I ask the Lord, one thing I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, and to seek God in the temple. For in the day of trouble God will give me shelter. Hide me in the hidden places of the sanctuary, and raise me high up on a rock. Even now my head is lifted up, above my enemies to surround me. Therefore I will offer sacrifice in the sanctuary, sacrifices of rejoicing. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice, O Lord, when I call. Have mercy on me and answer me. Hide not your face from me, turn not away from your servant in anger. Cast me not away, you have been my helper, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. A reading from 1 Corinthians. Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement, and that there will be no divisions among you but that you be united in the same mind and the same purpose. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you, my brothers and sisters. What I mean is that each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to proclaim the gospel, and not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ might not be emptified of its power. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. 
the word of the Lord. This Lord's Day is the Gospel according to St. Matthew, and we are in chapter 4. Now, when Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, as Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As Jesus went on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father, Zebedee, mending the nets. And Jesus called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed Jesus. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. The Gospel of our Lord. And you may be seated. Good morning again and welcome again. Now, in the sermon two weeks ago, we met a man named John the Baptist. And John was surprised. Last week we talked about Isaiah, and Isaiah was tired. This week we encounter Peter, Andrew, James, and John, the four fishermen of Galilee, and these guys were comfortable. Comfortable. Grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied among you all in the knowledge of God and of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Being a commercial fisherman, even today, is not exactly what I would call easy work. 
being a commercial fisherman on the Sea of Galilee 2,000 years ago was nothing short of backbreaking. There were no modern machines of any kind, obviously. It was just you and the boat. It was just you and the rudder, you and the sails and the nets, all of which had to be worked by hand by men who might be out on the water all night long. And then these guys would spend all next day on shore making repairs, cleaning the catch, and so forth. And oh yeah, somebody would then have to get the fish to market. And oh yeah, you might be out on the lake one day and get caught in a storm. And oh yeah, they hadn't heard of workman's comp or disability insurance back then, so you had to go to work no matter what happened to you. In short, being a fisherman on the Sea of Galilee 2,000 years ago was tough, grueling work. And I can imagine Simon Peter, for example, standing there knee-deep in tilapia, wondering, is this all there is to life? What, what am I missing here? Come on, is there something more to life than fish guts? <coughs> Not an easy job by any means. On the other hand, it paid the bills. It covered the mortgage every month. It put food on the table. Peter and the others had grown up by the lake, of course, and they could probably swim before they could walk. And plain and simple, they knew how to be fishermen and they were really very good at it. Fishing took care of their families. Fishing kept a roof over their heads. Fishing put bread on the table each day. And fishing was the only life they had ever known. It was the only life they had ever known. Now, okay, some days it wasn't easy, sure. But every day has jobs like, or every job has days like that, pardon me. And anyway, fishing was steady and familiar. And out there on the lake late at night with their boats and with their nets, Peter and the others were in what we would today call their comfort zones. I'm where I have always been, doing what I have always done, with people I have always known, and I guess I like it. I know for sure I've gotten comfortable with it. But then along comes Jesus, and Jesus said, leave it all behind. The boats, the nets, the fish, the steady, the familiar, the routine, the comfortable. The comfortable, leave it all behind and follow me. Trust me, said Jesus, and let's go do something in your life you've never ever done before. Now, I believe that Jesus Christ is the one and only Son of the one and only God, who left his own personal comfort zone in heaven, so to speak, 
and came into this world of time to teach and to preach. He came to heal the sick and feed the hungry and welcome the outcast. He came to demonstrate in word and deed what this kingdom of God thing is really all about. And he came to die. Jesus died on a cross to forgive us and on the third day rose from the dead to save us. And I believe this Jesus Christ is here today now. He is in our midst this moment and he is calling to us as lovingly and as kindly and as decisively as he called to Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Follow me, Jesus says to us. Follow me now. Let's go do something in your life you've never ever done before. Let's go live this kingdom of God thing. Now, for Peter and the others, you will notice that when they were called by Jesus, they quit their day jobs. Being called by Jesus may not mean you have to quit yours. Certainly, it does mean, however, that your faith is more important than your job. Repeat. Your faith is more important than your job. It's amazing to me how many Christians don't seem to get that. It's amazing how many Christians will tell me that the demands of work take priority over the demands of faith. And where exactly in the Bible do you get that? Where in the Bible do you get that one? I don't know, do you? But I digress. Christ's call to you does not necessarily mean you have to up and quit your job. Christ's call to you does not necessarily mean you have to switch majors in school or pack up and move to a mission field overseas. Now it might. It might mean that, and sometimes it does. As with Peter and the others, sometimes the call of Christ compels us to totally switch jobs and move to new locations, and you can ask me about that one. How did I end up in Ohio, for heaven's sakes? But always, always and for everyone, the call of Jesus Christ means you will be leaving your comfort zone. You will be leaving your comfort zone. Make no mistake about it. There are choices to be made each day. And when you belong to Jesus Christ, those choices are not always easy, and they are not always comfortable. Following Jesus is hopeful. Yes, it is. Following Jesus is joyful. Certainly. Following Jesus and walking the new way of the kingdom of God is exciting and important and life-changing, but comfy? Is carrying a cross and following a crucified Savior comfy? No, it is not. And it's not meant to be. As with Peter, so also with us. 
the call of Christ in our lives will always mean we are leaving our comfort zone behind. For example, and these are some of the most common, easy, ex obvious examples I could possibly come up with. But for example, a friend of yours has never heard of Jesus and their family has never been to church. Oh, I couldn't invite them. I'm not comfortable talking about Jesus with other people. A friend of yours has heard of Jesus, but is currently in the midst of some very difficult times and simply needs someone to hold her hands and pray out loud with her. Oh, I couldn't do that. I'd be too embarrassed to pray out loud with someone. I'm not comfortable with that. Children need mentors. Soup kitchens need workers. Bible school classes need teachers and congregations need people dreaming new dreams and pursuing new ministries. And oh, I don't have a talent for that sort of thing. I'm not comfortable with any of it. But this is not a matter of being talented. This is not a matter of being gifted. This is a matter of being faithful. Jesus Christ has called you. He's called you away from the safe and the routine and the comfortable. And he has called you to follow him every day and every way. It's what we mean by discipleship. Sometimes it's not clear to me that we always really want discipleship. Sometimes it seems to me we'd rather stay with the boats and the nets. We'd rather stick with the comfortable and the routine. Bottom line, Jesus, I love you. You know I do. <coughs> but I really don't want to risk much of anything for you because, quite honestly, I love my comfort more. That doesn't work. To follow Jesus more than anything else, it means leaving yourself behind. That's what Peter and the others did that day when they left their boats and their nets behind. They left themselves behind. And they followed Jesus into a new kind of life, one they had never even dreamed of before. You can do that too. If you have a job, keep it. If you have a major in school, stick with it. It's fine. But remember, you've also got a Lord and Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. He's the one who died and rose again. And his call on your life simply matters more. And to follow this Jesus, you have to leave your comfort zone behind. You have to leave yourself behind and trust yourself to Jesus and the kingdom he came to bring. May we do so in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And we turn to the hymn.